for seven tonight. Would you turn there, your Bible under the seat in front of you? That'd be page 1095. Zechariah is a very uh, mysterious book. It's challenging to study. But if you dig, you can find some gold in the book of Zechariah. We've learned a lot, and hopefully tonight that will continue. Zechariah chapter 7. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless this time now as we give you our attention. Lord, speak to us through your word. Give us understanding. Lord, encourage us to follow you every single day. That every day would be a new day. Of serving you. Bless this time, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to remind you of a horrific event that took place in the history of Israel in 586 BC. The kingdom of Judah with the capital city in Jerusalem was completely destroyed by the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, it was completely wiped out. The capital city of Jerusalem was gone. The walls were torn down. The shops, the houses within the city, torn down. The streets, torn up. The royal palace, destroyed. And that beautiful, glorious temple that was built by King Solomon, utterly destroyed. Many, many Jews were slaughtered. They were killed. And the surviving Jews, most of them, were taken captive to Babylon, where they were held in exile in Babylon for 70 years. So for 70 years, beginning in 586 B.C., Jerusalem was a ghost town. The captives were in Babylon. And that was a horrific event. Think about what that would be like if you experienced that. You lost your home. You lost your land. You lost fellow citizens, family members. And you find yourself in a foreign land. Very, very dark event in the history of Israel. Well, during those 70 years of captivity, the exiles that were in Babylon added something very interesting, which is very important for us to understand when it comes to our text that we're about to get into tonight. During those 70 years, they added four solemn annual fast days to the religious calendar to remember, to commemorate all of those tragic events. So every year on the 10th month, they had a fast day. Everyone was required to fast, weep, and mourn. And the purpose of that fast was to commemorate the day when the siege of Jerusalem 
began by Babylon. So this is the day that that terrible event happened. Let's mourn this day. Let's have a fast this day every year in the 10th month. They did that. During the fourth month of every year, they held another fast day. And the purpose of that fast was to commemorate the day that the walls around Jerusalem were breached. Now, this was the day that they broke through our walls. We're going to remember this every single day. We're going to fast. We're going to mourn. We're going to weep. Then in the fifth month every year, they had another fast. And the purpose of that fast was to commemorate the very day that the temple was destroyed. This was the day our temple was destroyed. We're going to remember that every day, every year on this particular day. We're going to fast, we're going to mourn, we're going to weep. And then they held another fast every year on the seventh month. And the purpose of that fast was to remember the assassination of their governor, Gedaliah. Oh, that was the day our governor was assassinated. We're going to remember that every year on this day. And so they kept those four fasts for 70 years religiously. Never missed to commemorate those tragic events that took place in 586 B.C. Okay, so now here in Zechariah chapter 7, the nation of Israel has turned a bright corner. They've been given a brand new beginning, a fresh new start. The 70-year exile is over. God has been working so that his people can go back to Jerusalem. 50 thousand Jews under the leadership of Zerubbabel the governor and Joshua the high priest have been permitted to come back to Jerusalem and they have started rebuilding the temple that had been destroyed in 586 and at the point of this writing in chapter 7 that temple is almost completed so they've got this brand new start it's exciting Okay, so look at the question that is asked of Zechariah the prophet and the other prophets and the priests as chapter 7 opens. Look at verse 1. It says, Now in the fourth year of King Darius, it came to pass that the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. On the fourth day of the ninth month, Kislev, when the people sent Sherezir with Regamelech, and his men to the house of God to pray before the Lord and to ask the priests who were in the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophet saying, check out this question. Should I weep in the fifth month and fast as I have done for so many years? So you have a delegation of men who I believe have made the trip from Babylon to Jerusalem. A bunch of people are involved in this delegation. You have some Persian officials that are a part of it because Persia's taken over it by this point. 
And you have Jewish exiles who are still living in Babylon, but they've taken this trip to Jerusalem. And they come into Jerusalem, and they go into the house of the Lord. They go into the courts of the temple. And the temple is almost completed. And they're probably looking at it going, wow, look at that. And they ask Zechariah, they ask the priest, effectively, they're asking the Lord. Should we continue to keep that feast in the fifth month that we've been keeping for the last 70 years? Should we continue to keep the fast that was meant to commemorate the destruction of the temple in 586 B.C.? Now that the temple is being rebuilt, should we keep that fast? Good question. And actually, you could ask the question, should we continue to observe all four of those fasts? All right. Let's see how the Lord responds to this. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months during those 70 years, did you really fast for me? <laughs> for me? When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? So I love it. The Lord answers their question with the question. When you were fasting all those 70 years, did you do it for me? Or did you do it for yourselves? When you instituted and observed those four annual fast days every year for 70 years, did you do that for me? Or did you do that for yourself? Now, it's a rhetorical question. What's the answer? You did it for yourselves. Or it says, you didn't do that for me. You did that for yourself. And the Lord's like, I never commanded you to have these fasts. That was your idea, not my idea. And we know that to be true. God never commanded them to do that. Those fasts were self-imposed. The only fast that God ever commands of his people in the Old Testament, according to the law of Moses, is to fast one day every year on the Day of Atonement. I didn't tell you to institute those fasts. Does God seem impressed with these four fasts? I don't think he cares at all about them. Now, watch carefully with me. Because as the Lord continues, he's going to say to them basically this. You shouldn't have spent so much time and energy observing these four fast days to commemorate all those tragic events that happened in 586 B.C., Instead, you should have been remembering why those tragic events in 586 B.C. happened. You should have been mindful 
of the cause of those tragic events. The Lord's saying to him, you were fixated on the dif- difficult days. I mean, it was tough. You were, But have you forgotten why they happened? So the Lord says to him, well, I'm going to remind you why they happened. I'm going to give you a history lesson. Let's go back to recent history and let's remember why 586 B.C. happened to your nation. Okay, so look what he says, verse 7. This is the Lord still speaking to them. Should you not have obeyed the words which the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the cities around it were inhabited and prosperous and the south and the lowland were inhabited? So the Lord says, let's go back. Let's go back 70 years. Let's go back prior to 586 B.C. And let's think about what was happening there. When Jerusalem was populated, you were all in there. Everything was prosperous. You had been there for hundreds of years. Let's remember, my nation went awry. They began doing things that they should not have done. So the Lord says, I sent prophets, the former prophets. I sent prophets to tell them what to do, to tell them how to get back on track. Guys like Isaiah, Jeremiah, all these other prophets, I sent them. And they didn't obey the command. The Lord says, let's remind you, let me remind you of the type of commands that I told your forefathers before this 586 event. Look at verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. I sent prophet after prophet to my nation to get them to start treating people nicely. They were oppressing the poor. They weren't taking care of the widow or the orphan. They were plotting in their hearts evil against their brother. Time and time and time again, I sent prophets to make them aware of that. And I told them, you need to repent. Let me remind you, the Lord goes on, of how they received the prophets. Of what they did. Verse 11. But they refused to heed. Shrugged their shoulders. Stopped their ears. So they could not hear. Have you ever seen a petulant little kid do this? Hundreds of years. Prophet after prophet after prophet said. You're going the wrong direction. You need to change. And what was their response? I'm not listening. Verse 12, they made their hearts like flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. So I sent all these prophets. I tried to get them to change. In in fact, I began to warn them of judgment. I said, if you guys don't turn, I'm going to have to judge. I'm going to have to discipline. Did the nation ever turn back to God? 
No. So, end of verse 12. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it happened that just as he proclaimed, and they would not hear, so they called out, and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations which they had not known. Thus the land became desolate after them, so that no one passed through or returned, for they made the pleasant land desolate. 586 B.C. happened because my people were disobedient. And after years and years of opportunity to change, I disciplined them. I brought judgment. They disobeyed me. I needed to correct them. And the Lord is saying to this new generation that's just been given a brand new chance, learn from what they did. Don't make the same mistakes. Now, understand something. Just to sort of sum up some of the, the sins that Judah was guilty of that led to that, that awful day the, of God's judgment and discipline. We know that over time, their religious practice became hypocritical. In fact, it became just sort of ritual and mechanic. They had the temple, they had the priest, they had the sacrifice, they had all the feast days, they had all the different things that they were supposed to do. And over time, it just became mechanical. They just did these religious things, and there was no heart under it. The Lord is displeased with that. And by the way, the Lord knows our heart, right? He knows when we just do some religious act. So Judah was also guilty of then, you know, practicing religion, but not really in heart. And then getting involved in idolatry, worshiping other gods of the pagan nations. And then they were also guilty of not transferring true, genuine faith in God into the day-by-day interaction with people in their community. So they weren't helping widows. They weren't helping orphans. In fact, they were exploiting the helpless. They let justice go in their nation. And I'll tell you what, the Lord is displeased with that kind of thing. When somebody asks real religious, and says, I'm a Christian and I do all this stuff, and then they go out in the day-to-day world where they have to interact with and treat other people nicely and with respect, and they're monsters? It's terrible. But you know, it's funny. It's easy to do religious stuff, isn't it? Think about it. It's a lot easier to fast four days a year than to treat people the way God wants you to treat them 365 days a year, right? Right? So... God is reminding these people of why the judgment happened 
in the first place. And God is telling this brand new generation, look, I didn't send you into captivity for 70 years so you could invent four more fast days. I sent you into captivity so you'd be mindful of what sent you there. And as you start again, do not make the same mistakes. So really, you could think chapter 7, it's a word of encouragement. Don't keep the fast. Don't live in the past. Don't live in the failure of the past. Here, you got a blank slate. The temple's almost constructed. You've come back. Now, do things the right way. Worship me in truth. Worship me alone, the Lord would say. And treat orphans and widows the way I would have you treat them. You got a fresh start. And the Lord says to them, if you will do that, man, if you will come back and you'll do that, then I have huge plans for you. And in chapter 8, the Lord makes promises to the nation of Israel that are absolutely spectacular. So you come and you do this and you, I'm going to do things like you can't believe. Now this Zechariah chapter 8 is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible which speak of the glorious promises that God made to the nation of Israel. How he was going to bless them and use them. Now, you're going to see, we're going to go through it very quickly, but you're going to see that those prophecies that we are about to read concerning Israel have not yet been fulfilled. They will be fulfilled when Jesus comes and we go into this millennial kingdom reign, which we've talked about quite a few times. But just check out what God has promised Israel. Look at verse 1 of chapter 8. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came, thus saying the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal, with great fever. I'm zealous for her. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion. And dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. So I put up a picture for you tonight of what Jerusalem looks like today. And I've, I've visited Jerusalem many, many times. Maybe some of you have as well. Right now, it looks like that. In the future, it's going to look much different. This prophecy says that one day Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth and it will be the holy mountain, the mountain of the Lord of hosts. It's also promised here, I will return to Zion, I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. God is coming to Jerusalem. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, when he returns, 
will rule in Jerusalem. That's going to happen. Look what else we read. Verse 4, I love this one. Old men and old women shall sit again in the streets of Jerusalem, each one with his staff in his hand because of great age. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. Isn't that beautiful? There's coming a time where in Jerusalem, the boys and girls will play in the streets. Men and women will make it to a great age, and they'll sit in peace. J. Vernon McGee is funny. He thinks there won't be any cars in the millennium. G. Campbell Morgan said, If you want to see a picture of the kingdom of God coming, go watch a group of kids playing innocently in the playground. In what city do kids play in streets today? You certainly don't have kids playing in the streets in Jerusalem. But one day, God's promising his people, your city's going to be so peaceful, so safe. I'll rule there. I'm bringing this awesome thing to you. Verse 6, thus says the Lord of hosts, if it is marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, will it also be marvelous in my eyes, says the Lord of hosts? So you might think this, pros- this, this prophecy is marvelous, he tells his people right now. But it's going to happen. It's not marvelous for me. I can do anything I want. I can do anything. And one of these days, I'm going to do that for your nation. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west. I'll bring them back. They shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. So the Lord predict every single Jew that's been scattered about east, west, north, south, one day is coming back and will dwell in the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's going to be a lot bigger. And it will be packed full of Jews in the millennial reign. Now what's interesting today, as I've mentioned several times, is um, it's incredible that after 2,000 years, they're back in their land. 1948, Israel born. Jews back. And you know what? There's been a massive uh, influx of Jews from all over the world into the Holy Land of Israel. And I believe that is key to understanding that we are in the last days. You got a new Israel, a state, they're speaking Hebrew, they have Jerusalem, all of these things are predicted. Now, the only thing that's missing is right now, the Jews are back in the land in unbelief. They have not yet recognized Jesus as their Messiah. In the millennial age, they will have recognized Jesus as their Messiah. Everyone will be back in the land in belief. Look at verse 9. Thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong, you who have been hearing 
in these days, these words by the mouth of the prophets who spoke in the day the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord of hosts, that the temple might be built. For before these days there were no wages for man, nor any hire for beasts. There was no peace from the enemy for whoever went out or came in. For I set all men, everyone, against his neighbor. Verse 11, but now I will treat the remnant of this people as in the former days, says the Lord of hosts. You've been working hard on this temple. You're going to complete it. But it's been hard work. You've had trouble. There's coming a day when everything in Jerusalem is going to be fruitful. It's no longer going to be hard work. Look at verse 12. The seed shall be prosperous. The vine shall give its fruit. The ground shall give her increase. The heavens shall give their due. I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all this. It shall come to pass that just as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah and the house of Israel, so I will save you and you shall be a blessing. Do not fear. Let your hands be strong. For thus says the Lord of hosts, just as I determined to punish you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, says the Lord of hosts, and I would not relent. So again, in these days, I'm determined to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Do not fear. So here, this prophecy and many other prophecies in the Old Testament speak of Jerusalem and the hillsides and the cities surrounding it in the millennial kingdom, becoming incredibly prosperous. Speaks of a desert that starts to bloom. Incredible things promised for Jerusalem. Look at verse 16. These are the things you shall do. Now, you should recognize this. These are the things you shall do in that day. You'll speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor and do not love a false oath for all these things that I hate, says the Lord. You're going to be back in the land and you're going to be doing things the way I want you to. It's going to be a community of peace. And then, oh, how I love verse 18 and 19. Look at this. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, that fast of the four month, fourth month, remember that fast? That fast of the fifth, that fast of the seventh, and that fast of the tenth? No more fasts. Those things shall be joy and gladness and cheerful feasts for the house of Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Again, back to those four fasts. Don't keep them. You have an incredible future. Those four fasts are going to become four feasts. Verse 20. Thus says the Lord of hosts. People shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. Yes, Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Look at verse 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man. 
saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Isn't that cool? So, millennial kingdom, Jesus reigns in Jerusalem. The Jews are there, they're in belief. And the Gentile nations will also be coming into Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus Christ will rule all of that. Wonderful things coming. And that's what the Lord says to these people. They're right on the cusp of beginning again. Don't live in the past. Learn from it. Move forward. And you be motivated by the glorious future that awaits. Okay. It's kind of sad what happened to Israel. Did they make it? Did they do right? Well, they started off great, as I've told you. They finished the temple. Eventually, a guy named Ezra comes, brings another group of Jews, and they they bring spiritual reform, and, and they're doing the right thing. And then a guy by the name of Nehemiah comes, right? And that's when they rebuild the city and the walls, and there's all these wonderful, wonderful things that they're doing. It seems like they've got a great start. And you know what happened? They fell back to their old ways. They began treating people poorly. They began turning their religion into just something that was a mechanical motion. And so they've really struggled. As you know, uh, by the time Jesus comes along, their religions just become sort of this impossible thing that the religious leaders are trying to put. And then they miss Jesus. They miss their Messiah. And so the church age is born. It's sad. And you know what's really sad to me? Even today, they still keep that feast. In the fifth month, every year, 2,500 years later, it's called the Tisha B'Avi. It's held every year, mid-July, mid-August. I looked on the calendar. This year, they will be fasting on August 6th for 24 hours. Still mourning, still weeping, still fasting over the temple that was destroyed on the 9th of August, 586 BC. They're also mourning another date every year the destruction of the second temple. 10th of August, 70 AD. So the first temple gets destroyed in 586 BC. They rebuild it. Zerubbabel, Ezra, folks. By the time of Christ, Herod 
has made it even better. In 70 AD, Titus the Roman completely destroyed their temple. And how ironic is that it's basically on the same date. Do you think that's by coincidence? Do you think God might have been saying, oh, if you just would do things right. If you just live for me in the present, learning from the past and mindful of the things that I have in store for you in the future. What an incredible thing. Well, good news for Israel, though. God made these promises to them in Zechariah chapter 8, and when God makes a promise, he's going to keep them. And so this is going to be fulfilled. And as I said, after the church age, after the tribulation period, during the tribulation period, and we're going to see this in the book of Zechariah, they're going to respond to their Messiah. They're going to be saved, and there's going to be a kingdom age, and it's going to be just like it was described here in chapter 8. Is there a lesson for us as Christians tonight in all of this? As members of the church? Yes, there is. And you know what the Lord said to me as I was saying? Make sure, Terry, that you're living in the present. Serving me today. And Christian, I want to make sure that you're serving God every day in the present. Do not live in the past. Do not live in the failure of the past. And I'll tell you what, people make big mistakes, even Christians. But a lot of times Satan will keep them living in the past. Hey, let's keep a fast. Learn from it and move on. And let what God is going to do for you in the future motivate you today. God has glorious things in store for Israel. He also has glorious things in store for the church, doesn't he? Paul wrote something in Philippians chapter 3, which I just think really sums up. This is how Paul was so effective day by day. He writes, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You want to stay effective? Forget the past. Don't live there. And keep pressing on for what God has for you in the future. Be motivated by it. And by the way, living for God every single day doesn't mean religious activity every day. You know what it means? It means treating those people you work with with respect. 
It means showing your living faith in the daily grind of life. As you seek to serve the Lord there. And it also means that when you do do religious things, you do it with the right heart. The right motives. Let's close. Would you bow your heads with me? And close your eyes. Lord, I'm reminded tonight of how many good things you have for us. You have feasts in store, not fasts. And Lord, I pray that we would, as your people, we would, we would be living for you each and every single day that you give us on this planet. I pray that we would serve you today and get up tomorrow morning and serve you tomorrow. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight who belongs to you and and they've been living in the past and that could be you maybe you've blown it big time in the past listen Jesus died on the cross for you he rose again have you put your faith and trust in him okay come back to him get up get up and start, serve, start doing things right now. Don't hide in the past. And you say, well, it's really, really hard to serve the Lord day by day by day. Well, be motivated every day by the glorious future that's headed your way. No matter how hard it gets here in serving the Lord, there is a glorious future coming. Live for that day. Maybe that's what you need to do tonight. You just need to resurrender your life to Him. And Lord, I'm I'm coming back. Or maybe you're here tonight and you really do need that brand new beginning. You need a fresh start in life. Maybe right now a lot of things are messed up in your life. And maybe you've tried to get religious in the past. Tried to do through all, go through all these religious hoops and do all these religious things. But it wasn't real. It was just outward. Didn't change you. Religion won't change you. I'll tell you what will change you. A relationship with Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and rose again the third day. The Bible says if you will surrender your life to him and ask him to be your Lord and Savior, you will become a brand new creation. 
all things will become new in your life. And then you can start living for him. If you haven't done that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Say, Lord, I need a brand new start. Just in the quietness of your heart, I need a complete do-over. I need a brand new beginning. I come to you and I surrender and submit myself to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Paying the price for all my sins. I give my life to you. I place my faith and trust in you. Make me born again. Make me brand new. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.